Satnam Yogis, how are you guys doing? Welcome to episode 51 of the Urban Yogi Podcast. I was grateful to get to sit down with Rain Dove via Zoom. Uh, they were in New York City, I was in Vancouver, and we talked about gender fluidity. Uh, Rain Dove is one of the most beautiful humans I've ever met. Uh, they are a self-described gender capitalist. They are a model, they're a director, an actor. Uh, I was grateful to meet them when I was in New York. I had won a chance to meet my idol, my hero, my I consider them a mentor, uh, Nico Tortorella, and their partner, uh, Bethany uh, Myers, uh, on a rooftop in Lower Manhattan, uh, this beautiful hotel. And it was Nico Tortorella's book launch for his uh, fantastic uh, new book, Space Between. And... So I was there and I got to meet Nico and on the panel of discussion, uh, the, 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 I can't speak, I was just in the, in the Pacific Ocean. The panel of discussion, uh, I'm a little bit chilly. The panel of discussion was about uh, queerness and spirituality um, and just creating spaces for people to come together to feel welcome and connected and divine and beautiful. And Rain Dove was there and the way that they spoke just about self-love uh, really inspired me and I was super grateful that they were willing to come onto the podcast to discuss uh, their life and what they're up to and just uh, being their fabulous self. So I hope you enjoy my interview with the wonderful, the beautiful, the gorgeous, the talented uh, Rain Dove. Press record. Rain Dove! <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing all right. I was about to make mashed potatoes, and now I'm talking to you. So, I mean, the choices we make. That's know? awesome. I'm, I'm grateful that you chose me <laughs> for mashed potatoes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> very, very good. So, um, what would be your go-to order at your favorite restaurant? My go-to order at my favorite restaurant? Yeah. Um, it really depends on what kind of restaurant it is, but I'm a big fan of all things potato. So mashed potatoes, nice. French fries, especially like if you get like French fries with like gravy or French fries with curry sauce. They have yeah. Weatherspoons here in Bay, and they're pretty great. <laughs> what Weatherspoons? Weatherspoons. It's a type of um, it's like a really cheap tavern. Um, oh, they have okay, really cool. good food. Okay, nice. Yeah. How old are you? I have revolved around the sun 30 times. Whoa, cool. And when yeah, did you- Yeah, it's been awesome. Did you, would you say that you live in New York City or are you more of a nomad? Um, no, I'm more of a nomad. Although I just barely got a place in the UK, in London. And nice. I think this is my little permanent nesting pad for now. I really am enjoying it. And um, yeah, the UK is great. Where in London is it? Um. Well, I am in Maidavale, which is kind of May cool. Um, May it's Maidavale? Oh, when I, when I first saw it, I didn't know how to pronounce it because it looks like Maida Valley. You know? <laughs> <laughs> cool. I've got two brothers who live in, in Pimlico. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's easy to get everywhere because of the train, isn't it? So it's nice. You sounded a bit British there. That's very nice. <laughs> I quite. I'm my. Uh, uh, I've, I've been. I've been getting uh, taught how to speak uh, northern, so oh. I can say things like and stuffy and love. <laughs> love, I love it. 
Lots of chocolates for me to eat. <laughs> I, I, my, goal, my goal is to one day whip it out for like an audition when they say, we would like you to use a British accent. And I'll just, uh, boom. Bam. Surprise. Awesome. And would you say that you're more into modeling right now or do you also do like acting stuff? Um, right now, I think I would say I'm mostly into um, filmmaking. Modeling obviously happens and I do book a lot of work. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, in the modeling world, which is really wonderful, mm -hmm. but um, my primary, my primary love right now is filmmaking. You know, awesome. Um, I actually have a show coming out called Queers Without Fears, and it drops in January, and it's yeah. a queer sci-fi series. Yeah. Holy shit! How can we? How can we watch it? What's it going to be on? Um. Well, so that it's free and accessible to the public, I am putting it on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> uh, YouTube. Awesome. Thank you for doing that, Rain. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. well, yeah. I mean, thank you for letting me talk about my art. Um, and it's, I'm really excited about it. So. Awesome. Um, and what, what, uh, what character do you play on it? Well, um, so this is the first thing I've ever like written, directed, produced, filmed, and acted in. It's all, it's all the things. Holy but shit. I'm not on camera too much because I'm the camera operator in it. Um, so it's it's a it's a mockumentary style series that kind of is a little bit like Xena Warrior Princess meets yes! the Office. You know, <laughs> That's awesome. it's over the top. It's silly. It's fun, and um, it also every conversation is um, every single episode is wrapped around a very serious conversation um, that we should be having in our own communities, like between turfs and trans people, between the evolution of language, um, about how to talk to people who are oppositional to us. And we all, we wrap it, uh, wrap it all up in the uh, delicious, salty, greasy goodness of drone fights and explosions and lots and lots and lots of glitter and bright colors. and. Um, yeah amazing it's, it's really what yeah. <laughs> um where could people go to get like a sneak preview of it is there like a little mini pilot out that people could check out um i have a trailer that i'm going to be dropping it's the first week of january and i'll send it to you um awesome. i want to wait till about two weeks before the thing comes out because i do know that uh, the news cycle moves quite quickly. But you can check out our Instagram, Queers Without Fears, and you'll get a couple of little insights into the people who are on this series. Um, one of the important awesome. things is that the series isn't scripted. It has plot points, but mm -hmm. we don't script it so that way people are sharing their own truths and their own experiences, and it's unfiltered and unfettered. Because um, nice. in, in the film world, we get unrealistic standards set for us for how we marginalized community members really can act you know um we see everyone ha always has the perfect most clever comeback in the moment but the truth is we're oftentimes fumbling and we're messy and yes. we're redundant you know yes. and that's so what i love I about you right like when i first met you when you spoke at <laughs> nico Torter, when you sorry I'm joking. I was like, I was like, that I'm messy and redundant. No, I, I love that you're like, so, um, what is it? Like when you spoke at Nico's event, um, you said something like, I'm going to butcher it, but you were just like, one thing you were saying was like, if you still have the will to live in this, you know, crazy world as a queer person, you know, uh, as basically like, yeah, you said like if you still have the will to live and you know sometimes you might drink too much and this and that but if you like still just get up in the morning and, and are still alive like that's an accomplishment and that really resonated with me like 
you know, it's, it's kind of like um, there's a Buddhist nun author named Pema Chodron. She says, lower your standards and relax as it is. And that's kind of like the vibe I was getting from you that night. And it was like, so it was so um, life-giving for me to hear that. And uh, I don't know if you remember exactly what you said, but if you could say it again for the audience, it was, it was really powerful and beautiful. Um, yeah, first of all, thank you. That's very, um, I was really happy that you were there and I was honored to share that space with you. It was a really special evening. That room thank was you. filled with a lot of amazing people who yeah. all deserved the right yeah. to speak in their own ways. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I talk about um, what is activism. And um, I've been having a lot of these conversations lately about the difference between activism and also just living by your own set of morals and credo. Um, when are we having a conversation that we feel is the way that we should just be having it? And when is it actually activism? Um, and I try to talk about the fact that we are the people who oppress us, they oftentimes do so using um, homogenous labels. And we can't homogenize that oppression. We have to see every single individual who comes at us as an individual because we are demanding to be seen as individuals. And if we truly, truly want to eradicate hate and misunderstanding, um, we have to eradicate our ego in that moment and think about what is the end goal here? What is the solution? And we have to be willing to truly, um, we have to be willing to truly, truly, truly uh, do what we think will get us to that end goal of equality. Um, do you have any tools but or that techniques? A lot of different kinds you, of approaches. Yes. Do you have any tools or techniques uh, to share, like for in that moment when you feel like you're going to go into ego, to stay connected to your higher self? Um, I think that everyone has their own methods. But for me, um, first of all, I always find gratitude in the fact that the person has come to me. Okay. Um, they've shared space in their life that they're never going to get back. Um, that is amazing. The most amazing gift anyone can give any person is time. And they're giving it to you. And that time is going to be increasingly valuable. It's one of those things that exponentially increases in value as we spend more of it. So I find gratitude in that. And then um, for me, my de-escalation tactic is to allow myself to feel the feels. I tell myself that I'm valid, that my feelings are valid, that I'm real. And I also think about the people in my life who I love, um, who need this person to be a safe person for us to be around. Um, and I think about my parents. Um, my, uh, one of my parents is a Trump supporter, very racist, sexist, homophobic individual. Um, and for them, they have come around a lot um, through communication. But I know that their fear stems not necessarily from just wanting to hate people, but for the fact that they feel left behind and they feel like our movement wouldn't prioritize them when they're desperately trying to survive. So it's yes. complicated and it's difficult, yes. but I think of a lot of different factors, which is like ultimately what do we really want? And the fact that my time is precious too, and I don't want to waste it. So I can tell this person to fuck off and it might feel good and oh. it would be very valid. Maybe even it would change that person. But the truth is you can't really change people. People have to change themselves, you know? Right. So that means that you have to plant seeds for that to occur and understand that they're dealing with potentially decades of brainwashing and matrix that they've lived within. And they have to unweave a lot of that in order to truly, truly have, uh, to truly, truly come around, you know? And right. I think that you can set a firm boundary and not give permission to people's actions. 
without, um, you know, uh, without hating them or canceling them. Like you can put people in timeout. You can say you're unhealthy to be around. You can say this is not acceptable. But we also have to understand that like if we aren't willing to communicate with these people or we're not willing to do some um, some form of rehabilitation or education, then they'll always be here. They'll always be here. And the only way to ever really eradicate hate is to eradicate them, which means essentially you'd have to just murder them and put them on an island somewhere, which is an extreme thought to think about. But it's something that I always tell people when they act from righteous rage, you know. Um, righteous rage is valid. Anger is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that being diplomatic is morally superior or better. Um, it's what works for me. But we need to get out of each other's way. Like I, I shouldn't be condemning righteous rage and saying, you don't have the right to be angry, to tell this person to fuck off. And um, I also would feel, would hope that someone would say, Rain, if that's the form that works for you, communicating with these people, I'm not going to get in your way. You know, we just need to let each other do what we think is best with the same end goal in mind. Have you ever gone into righteous rage and then you go, oh, that doesn't feel as good as as the the way that that you're finding is working now? Yeah, I mean, I feel guilty, um, you know, a, ca- a couple of times I absolutely um, have just fluffed out of people. And I tend to go in like a spiral. So I kind of have this neurotic spiral where I just repeat things and I go in circles and circles and circles because I want to be very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it just, it felt good in the moment. Like, yeah, I told them, you know, but then you see them using those things to justify their their hatred or you see them continuing to be hateful and then you just feel like you wasted your time you know you're like i told them to fuck off so there but then when they don't change you may have felt powerful and you reward yourself for setting boundaries but you don't really feel as powerful because you you let them you know like you, you didn't let them get to you you express your true feelings in the moment but you basically haven't really accomplished anything other than stating your own feeling of like fuck you. Mm. Um, but there are times in which righteous rage has felt really good, especially when protesting, you know, right. peaceful protests are important, you know, but also so are volatile ones. Um, sometimes we need people to say, we, the people will not be steamrolled. We, the people are powerful. And, um, sometimes a voice is not the, is not effective enough because people don't feel threatened by voices. Sometimes they need the bodies to back them up. Um, right. So, you know, I've gone to protests where I've been like just angry and just yelling. Um, and that for me didn't feel like a waste of time. It felt good. Hmm. So there's a time and a place. Yeah. And I, I don't want to even say that anyone, that there is any specific time or place. I think that we have to understand though, that oftentimes hate operates like a che- uh, checkers game and we need to operate like a chess game, you know? Um, hate is oftentimes it's built over a, a long period of time, but it oftentimes moves quickly and, um, it makes mistakes and, um, in a, and, and it's, it's chaotic, but if we operate carefully, we can absolutely, um, we can absolutely win this and we can absolutely change things, but we have to like, it's, it's so hard because some of us have been so hurt 
And it's taken so much strength for us even to get to a place in our lives where we can set a boundary and say, fuck you, fuck off, you're horrible. You know, because there, there's like, you know, some of us like have just felt like um, we couldn't even stand up for ourselves. So when we exercise for us, it feels really good, you know, and I don't want to tell anyone that they shouldn't do that or that that's bad or that it's. I'm just looking yeah. at this scales of consciousness and it kind of re reifies what you're saying. Um, I don't know mm. if you're familiar with like power versus force by uh, David R. Hawkins. No. Okay. Well, this no. is kind of from, from his book and also from another fellow's book named uh, Frederick uh, Dodson and it's levels of energy. So like basically they've, they've um, calibrated the different scales of consciousness so like the, the lowest level of consciousness is like guilt, shame, psychosis, humiliation, hatred. And then, mm. then if you go up a little bit, you get into like fear, worry, shyness, inferiority, paranoia. You go a little higher, you raise your vibration right before uh, it supports life. You get to pride, superiority, and arrogance. So like it's what you're saying, mm. like if, if you spent a lot of your life in guilt and shame, um, you know, as a lot of us have as, as queer individuals, to, to raise your frequency, like sometimes, sometimes the call of source doesn't sound like harps and angels. Sometimes it sounds like pride or, or rage or anger, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then you, you hang out there for a bit and then you reach for a higher frequency and then you get to contentment, routine, functionality, boredom, and then courage, relaxation, eagerness, and fun. So that's when it, that's when the author says it starts to, your vibration actually starts to support life. Uh, he says mm -hmm. tru truth is that which supports life. And then like the highest, uh, the higher, highest levels like joy, creativity, beauty, power, integrity, love, intuition. And I feel like you, you are able to maintain the frequency of love in a, in, a, in a situation where a lot of people would get really angry. And I think that's why you're so inspiring because it's like, oh my gosh, that, the way Rain Dove approaches that hate, it feels so much more downstream than, than reacting with anger and it's totally fine to react with anger but it just i'm just from my energetic standpoint it just the way you handle it has inspired me to to just do my best to maintain a little bit more of a, a love frequency in those situations thank you yeah um it's one of the things that's been really challenging this week um as people have like been coming to me because it's been a really chaotic week mm -hmm. is um a lot of trans uh individuals have expressed that they feel um that reacting with i don't i wouldn't necessarily like to say kindness but maybe compassion on a certain level or with reservation or in engaging in dialogue um that's non nonviolent or volatile um, they said that it sets a dangerous precedent for mm. other members of the trans community um, because they feel that it's toxic and that it's coddling people who have some incredibly violent um, ideas about the trans community. This has been a really hard one because for me, I've been subjected to a lot of those same things that other individuals are as far as basic levels of um, the volatility goes. And I spent so much of my life just being angry and angry and being like, fuck you and fuck the world and fuck off. It's a large part of the reason why I probably was transient was just like, I was, it was me against the world. And it was a large part of the reason why I wasn't always an honest being because I didn't trust anyone. I didn't trust myself. And it was me against the world. And I was just this raging, raging person, you know? Um, 
And it consumed me. It consumed me, this feeling. And I, when I wasn't a great person at times, um, it made me feel like I wasn't worthy of anyone talking to me because I knew personally I wasn't willing to talk to anyone as well, you know? Right. Um, so I did things like I would just like, you know, keep to myself and stay silent on things I should have been sharing. And it fed into this uh, toxicity of being and truth. It fed into like this um, need to, need to um, justify, you know, things like cheating on a partner or uh, lying by omission. Um, and I found that like once for me, one of my big healing processes um, and the reason why I do a lot of the work that I do now um, is like important is because I do understand that side of the, the, the feeling that you aren't worthy of being communicated with or that you're already set in your ways and there's nothing that's going to take you back or feeling just like a toxic individual. And when I let go of that and I was really fucking honest with myself and with the world about who I was, um, it allowed me to just start deconstructing these people as individuals um, that, are, that come at me. And, I feel better about it, even if most of the time those conversations don't pan out, you know? Yeah. Like, I want to yeah. be a reflection of the world that I am demanding, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. And because I am responding and I'm communicating with people in a way that I feel is um, as fair as I can give, it makes me feel worthy of being communicated in that way. It makes me feel worthy of accepting myself and loving myself. And when I feel that way of self-acceptance and love, um, I feel like I can be honest with anyone about anything and I can um, be vulnerable with anyone about anything. And that's just been an incredibly healing thing, tool to have over the past like a uh, couple of years. Yes. So what are some self-love practices that you implement when you make a mistake, when you fuck up or when you're attacked? <clears throat> um, well... First of all, I let myself feel the feels. I never tell myself that I'm bad or wrong for feeling the feels. Um, and I'm real about the feels that I feel. Like sometimes I feel guilty for feeling the feels, especially when you're feeling them around your friends or when you feel like they're perpetual and they're not going away. Like there's nothing your friend can say is going to fix it. You feel guilty for being just perpetually a floof, you know? Um, <laughs> another thing is like uh, it's important to um, – it's important to like, I'll put like alarms on my phone sometimes if I'm having a really, really hard time getting out of bed or getting out of the house. And those alarms, you know, are to remind you to eat, to move, to do things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so you have like little gentle things. Um, I also, and this doesn't always work for me because I don't always feel worthy of them. But sometimes when I'm feeling really good, I have in my favorites folder um, little notes that I've like made to myself. Or I take screenshots of times in which I've overcome things that aren't great, like um, where like somebody has been forgiving or understanding, or when there's clarity, um, or times in which things were rough but then things came around. And I'll um, I have them in there just to remind myself that everything is flowing and moving, the news cycle is flowing and moving, people are flowing and moving, and we're all just trying um, our best. And as long as we're clear and honest and we're willing to do better to be our best selves like that gives me a lot of hope that okay 
this is just a moment in time and you just need to be really humble and honest and, and move on. Um, That's yeah. beautiful. Also change your underwear. Very important. <laughs> True that. That's a really good, yeah, no. nice hot tip as well. <laughs> Very good. Um, <clears throat> what, what does your name mean to you? It's beautiful. Rain Dove. Um, so basically when I was growing up, um, I had, um, I had the, on my birth certificate, my name was Danielle uh, Victoria Rupert. And then um, your, well, your microphone birth, just got a little bit um, ske- uh, oh, hard muffled. to hear. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's better. Okay. Um, so like when I was born, my name was uh, Danielle Victoria Rupert. Um, at my birth, I was given the name uh, uh, Rain Dove and my mom's name, Donna, was uh, has her name Dawn of the Flower, and uh, oh. she was adopted into this Abenaki tribe. So I'm not Native American. I am very very white, um, <laughs> but I have this adopted name. Um, when my parents divorced when I was 13, and my great grandfather was about to pass away, I decided to take on his last name to show that his name would continue because there are only females like trickling down, and we felt the name was being fluffed out. Right. And when I went to go do this, um, I decided to also make Rain Dove um, a legal part of my life after I went through my spirit journey. Because in order for you to, you get a name that's given to you and then you choose to keep that name or not choose to, to keep that name off from a spirit journey. So you go on these this spirit quests. It's hard to explain, but it's a wow. guided meditation experience in an overnight um, cool. uh, wood-based experience. And... Um, after that name was officiated for me, um, then I decided to make it legal. And um, I've had that name ever since. And um, Rain Dove um, means eternal peace um, or like uh, it, the, it, the uh, person whispering wind who gave it to us also said it means peace bringer. But I don't usually like to use that term because it sounds narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But um, eternal peace is like a thing. And they were just like, conflict resolution i guess is was supposed to be my destiny even wow. though i had a lot of conflict and had to resolve you know holy moly yeah how did your mom yeah. get adopted i really really Korea? loved it <laughs> when yeah, i was growing beautiful. up but i, I like rain the best like because i felt yeah. like rain dove i always felt um like i like the name rain dove but rain has always just been my preferred shortening of it you know? nice okay good to know how did your mom get adopted into the abenaki tribe in the first place um, so my mom was going through a really tough time. Um, and she, my mom went to, um, college when she was very, very young. She was still, I think she was like 16 or 17. She, she graduated very early. She's like valedictorian of her class. She's really intelligent, amazing person. Um, and she went through her own process. Um, some of which I'm still not, um, I need to clarify with her about some things, but she went through her own process. And then one day there was this woman named Whispering Wind who was on this um, mountain, had been gone for a morning hike and she was crying. Um, my mom brought her um, flowers and um, they just sat there together for almost a whole day until the sun set again. Um, and Whispering Wind had just lost her um, partner, um, her husband, and um, a complete stranger coming up to her really meant a lot. And so she took my mom, who was very alone and going through this intense emotional process, um, under her wing and became kind of like this adoptive mother figure. And then um, 
nice. after that, um, my mom started attending powwows and attending um, meetings and going to all these other events with the Abenaki individuals. And then she was adopted um, into the tribe and adopted under um, the lineage of Whispering Wind. Um, and she was gifted her name, and uh, which is Dawn of the Flower, because she brought flowers to this woman at dawn. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And they have a really funny story, too, which is like when I was born, everybody thought I was going to be a boy, which I thought was a, it was a really funny thing. And so um, they... They they were bought everything all they thought I was gonna be a boy. So they had, everybody had boy stuff and welcome it's a boy and um, whispering wind was like no you're gonna have a girl <laughs> and not that I identified either but um, she was like she get, gifted me the name Rain Dove and nice. <laughs> um, of course lo and behold was born um, yeah so she obviously had some kind of psychic some psychic ability ability yeah I love that um, you identify now as I am I and I love who I love. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's so liberating. Um, I have a lot of, now that I teach, uh, you know, sexual Kung Fu for men and stuff, I get a lot of men from all over the world, you know, some with, with wives and some with this and that. And I really wish I could come to your class and I wish that I could feel more liberated. You know, I don't know if I'm gay or straight. And I just love I am I because then that, you don't even have to worry about all of those social constructions and you can just be yourself. Um, and I feel like it can take away a lot of the gay panic for you know, men who are struggling with their, their identity and, and this and that, and just for everybody in general. So I, I really, um, I'm really <clears throat> uh, promoting or ele- working to just like embody that sentiment that I am I and I love who I love and to just be that because I feel that's very liberating. So thank you for that <laughs> idea. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I think that um, if we have a label, it should be a, it should be one that we, we want to engage with that we feel um, that makes us feel good, but we should understand that that label isn't our limitation and that our community is not limited just to that label that, it, you know, your family can come from any part of your life. Um, and I think that labels can be things that set people free allow right. people to understand who they are. The, the, uh, there's something uh, scratching that so we couldn't hear the last 10 seconds. I think that labels allow us to, um, I think that labels allow us to really be um, clear about like um, who we are based off from who's come before us. But I think it is a valuable thing to also acknowledge that we've never been and we never will be. We're only now and now and now and now. And so, mm-hmm the most accurate thing we can ever do is accept our pure existence, not with comparison to any other entity, but of course as beings who are tribal in nature, um, uh, we oftentimes are looking for a community. Um, We're looking for things to make sense in this chaos. And a label helps us do that, you know? Right, yeah, they can serve us and they can be limiting. And and I love the way you just described all that. Um, If you were not being a fabulous actor, director, model, um, gender capitalist, what would you be doing? Um, well, if I weren't doing any of these things, I probably would be doing some kind of like groundwork. Um, I mean, before I was doing landscaping and construction and things like that, 
Um, I also was bartending. Um, but uh, I probably, if I hadn't gone into this direction, I, I probably, I, I always had a fantasy about working with the Peace Corps. And I know the Peace Corps is a bit controversial, but I love traveling. And um, I also think that it's, um, oh, my bad. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, uh, my computer went, went dead for a second. Um, uh, but I, I think I would probably be working for some kind of um, organization that sends you to different countries and help, you know, you can help build houses or put in wells or um, put in plumbing for, for individuals. Nice. I did that work when I was like, I was a Christian missionary for a little while. Oh, wow. I did a mission trip to Honduras and Guatemala. And um, even though I wasn't a big fan of some of the pushing of Christianity on um, especially indigenous tribes, um, I felt the work was incredibly rewarding and I'd love to do that in a nonpartisan way. Cool. That would be a beautiful, beautiful way to, to spend your time as well. Nice. Mm. Um, what does your spiritual practice look like? Um, and your self-care practice? Mm. Well, for me, a spirit, my spiritual practice is that I, um, I basically just listen to that inner thing. I, I, I have, a, I do things that are ritualistic. Like I have, um, a, I have a smudging kit and I have stones and, um, shells and things like that from places all over the world that I felt were sacred or that I had a pivotal moment in my life occur and um i will do um i will do ceremonies with those um i also just when people ask me about religion and how i feel about about those things for me personally i believe that if there is an entity that is so great that it created us as beings um or that it created this universe in existence then just like anyone's gender identity i wouldn't want to assume their identity you know I don't want to assume who they are or what they want for the planet. And I understand that humans are fallible. And because there are many different illustrations of what a God or many gods or goddesses or neutral terms would look like, I just feel like it would be disenfranchising them and cutting them short to try to just pick one. I don't want to be wrong, you know? Yeah. And if I were to, uh, when I am to die. Oh, cut out. Um, I feel very strong standing by that. I did this out of the most respect. Hey, um, hey you, um, you, you just cut out. You said after, uh, if I were to die, you cut out for about 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, no worries. Yeah. Um, if, I, if I were to die, I would absolutely, um, I would actually be, uh, absolutely be willing to stand by my um, feelings on this because I would just say, you know, I really respect you and that's why I, I chose not to pick a particular choice or path um you deserve to tell me what you are and share with me what you are and for me um i did my best to try to pick up cues like if i internally felt like oh this is not good or this is dishonest or this is immoral um you know <laughs> i try to i tried my best to rectify it makes me think of um the the video that you did about pierce morgan um identifying as a penguin oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was so good <laughs> That was so funny. <laughs> I'll have to put that in the show notes. That was that was brilliant. That was really really brilliant. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, if you speaking of penguins, if you were an animal, um, what one would you be? 
If I were an animal, what would it be? Oh, good question. See, I'm totally, I'm definitely afraid of heights. Or some people would argue, you're not afraid of heights, you're afraid of falling. But <laughs> I think I would love to be, um, there, I, I think uh, I would love to be something that flies, you know? Yeah. I would love to be like, like a peregrine falcon. I love peregrine falcons, they're really cool. Oh, that'd be um, cool. Or I think, uh, you know, something that lives in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little tree frog, like one of those like poisonous dart frogs that, you know, they're not going to die because you, if you eat them, you die too. Right. They just kind of <laughs> have their little feet and their eyeballs and they're just chilling and hanging out. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> I work with a lot of cats as well. Like um, I, mm. um, I went through a phase where I was really upset by my spirit animal, which is I have a uh, bobcat and I have a rabbit. But the oh, rabbit I could is see the most bobcat. common animal Oh, okay. And yeah. I was so upset about it. I was like, why? I wanted it to be something cool, like a tiger or something <laughs> vicious, a wolf, you know, or an eagle. And I got a rabbit. And I was like, I was like really, really upset. But, you know, you go on this meditation, the spirit journey, and then you get to this point with this river and you picture as you're there, there's an animal on the bank. And what is it? And it was a fucking rabbit. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Time. I was so like frustrated by it, but now I've become quite fond of them. That's good. Yeah, rabbits are awesome. What kind? Yeah, like, yeah. what kind of rabbit did you see? Because there's, so, I taught rabbit yoga recently, and there was like one looked like an Ewok. You said a hare? Yeah, snowshoe hare. Oh, okay. They have cool. a cool defense mechanism, which actually is quite ironic given my past, which uh-huh. is like when predators chase after them, they run in circles, uh-huh. and then they run over their own path again. Um, so that the scent goes in a full circle. And after two or three times, they take a full leap, which can go up to 15 to 20 feet away from oh. the path. And the, um, the predator will continue to go in circles looking for this rabbit. But the rabbit oh, wow. has taken off. That's circles. pretty smart. And, uh, it's really smart. But unfortunately, cool. it makes them quite easy to hunt. Because if you're a hunter and the dog is chasing the rabbit, you know that if you can find the rabbit's trail, it will run over it again. So it's easy right. to shoot at. Oh, shit. <laughs> Um, are you a night or a morning person? I'm a night person. Night person? Yeah. I love the night. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a lot more of creative work done at nighttime. There's something comforting about the blanket of darkness. Mm-hmm. True that. Yeah, when I did the um, Kundalini yoga teacher training, they made us get up at 3.30 a.m. to have a cold shower and to do uh, lots of yoga and meditation. And I kind of grew to love that too, I guess, because it's so dark as well. I like that feeling. Then by the end of your practice, the sun starts to come up and, and that's beautiful. But I, I'm also a night person. So lately I've been yeah, sleeping a little bit more, <laughs> not getting up at 3.30 in the morning. Um, what's your favorite crystal? My favorite crystal... Mm. Um, I had an amethyst for quite a while um, that was really gorgeous and uh, I would probably say maybe maybe that um, there was a just a really beautiful stone but it felt really powerful to me and um, I had it on my altar for a long time and around my neck for a long time and then cool. of course I lost ah. very smooth yeah <laughs> yeah I like amethyst it's supposed to be like the stone of like sobriety can help promote good dreams really i didn't know that yeah some people put it underneath their pillow sometimes when i'm trying to go to bed i just put it on my third eye and just like it feels good to have it there Mm -hmm. as i'm falling asleep 
Maybe I should go get another one and just have that during this time. It's yeah. um, sometimes when you go through like conflict and things, it's hard not to drink, you know, or hard not to uh, indulge in other practices like um, eating. We want to eat comfort foods to feel good and stuff like that, but they're not necessarily things that um, are doing our body justice. And it's hard mm-hmm. to eat healthy and it's hard to eat, like it's hard to like do the things that we need to do in order to keep our machine functioning. Um, yes. It's good to have a holistic practice like that. I think it really helps with um, being able to go through the waves, you know. I totally agree. Totally agree. Have you gotten much into yoga or meditation? Meditation, I'm a big fan of. Yoga, um, I haven't gotten into it as much as I'd like to, partially because um, while I did grow up um, with yoga, just primarily in my uh, teenage years with my parents, Afterwards, it seemed like yoga for me was really inaccessible because I couldn't afford classes and not every place has like free yoga to the people. And it just seemed like a privileged thing to do. And then when I could afford it, I kind of was jaded about that. And when I got to New York, there was yoga for the people. And um, I think um, I just didn't end up taking advantage of those amazing classes because I, I just... I don't know. I got intimidated by the, by the process of the fact that I hadn't been doing this for so long and my body was not exactly limber or flexible. And I knew that I needed, uh, like I can't touch my toes and things like that. So, um, if somebody had gone with me, I think I would have gone, but because I was on my own, I was like, (laughs) you know, Well, next time time I'm in London, next time I'm in London or New York, I'd love to offer you a private class. I would love that. And I'd be honored and I'd take you up on that in a heartbeat. Thanks. Have you tried Kundalini yoga? I have not. Oh, it's super fun. It's super simple and you, you feel the effects right away. Um, so I'd love to share that style with you. I would really like that. Yeah. Awesome. I Yay. think it's important to have as many tools in your pocket as possible. Um, totally. it, we oftentimes um, self-sabotage, you know, we procrastinate and we don't, um, we don't take the time to learn how to sit with ourselves. And I think part of it is just the self-protective feeling of if I had to sit with myself, I don't know if I'd like what I hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, but it, it can be incredibly healing. And you said you, you're a fan of meditation. What, uh, what way do you like to meditate that works for you? Um, well, I mean, every day before I start my day, pretty much I just, I'll just like be in that mid space between the, it's like lucid dreaming, you know, that's mid space between the sleep realm and the real realm and mm-hmm. just really reflect on either the day before me or um, the week that I've experienced and um, just really listen to your sound and your voices. And um, it's uh, when I, when I go to bed, I tend not to meditate in that way because I can really get in my own head. It makes it really difficult to sleep. Um, cause insomnia and things like that. But I find that in the beginning of the day, that's the first start where you feel like you can actually change your stars, do something about it, take action. Um, so I, de- I definitely like to take the time to do that. And I also, um, when things get really stressful, I go to the forest. It's a really big thing for me. Um, I, nice. one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that I do have a lot of basic survival skills. Um, so like, uh, I know how to make fire and set snares and, um, you know, forage. Um, my, my parents were both avid hunters and 
um, medicinal healer. So I learned how to do plant identification, things like that. Cool. Uh, build a lean to basically do all of the things that you need to do to survive. Um, That's awesome. Sometimes when things are really stressful, I will go out into the forest um, and I just do that. And I, um, once I realize I can provide like with nothing, with no money, with no Instagram, with no like, um, path or purpose that seems to be rooted in, um, others existences that no matter what, as long as I'm present, that I can still feed water and shelter myself and provide warmth, um, from scratch. It's, it's incredibly healing. And I like to just sit there in silence and, um, you know, Sometimes drink, uh, drink a little bit of whiskey. It depends on where I'm at in my life. And it's just, uh, it's incredibly healing, you know. That's awesome. I like to go into the forest once a week to jump into the cold water with a group. Uh, so I, I totally really? resonate with that. No. Yeah. yeah, we do it up here in, in Canada. There's about 30 of us who go every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Super, super intense, but fun. Going and jumping in the cold water. That sounds like a perfect... Sounds like something I could really enjoy doing. Yeah, you should come. If you ever have you been to Vancouver before? I've never been to Vancouver. I've only ever uh, been to Montreal and Canada oh, and Quebec City. Okay, yeah. Come to Vancouver. It's beautiful. This it's really open minded and we're right next to the forest and the ocean and the mountains. Mm. Yeah. I will. Awesome. I will I'm, I'm gonna put it in that. my diary as a thing that I want to do. Yay. Um, what would be your speaking of coming to Vancouver, what would be your dream vacation? My dream vacation um, would be, hmm, if it wasn't for the fact that it's so dangerous to go to Tanzania right now as a queer individual, I would go to Mount Kilimanjaro. Cool. Um, and in my dream, I would be in shape enough to climb that mountain, and I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> I also really want to go to um, uh, some rural parts of India. I have some incredible uh, support in India um, that's just been really radical and um, it's that's been awesome. really rewarding. And I would really love to go to some of the more rural parts of India. Um, it's beautiful and, there. I was just there in March um, up in the Himalayas. Yeah? It is How very was it? What did you do? It was so beautiful. I went to do a, a Kundalini teacher training and we were just by, up by the Googly Ganges, sort of like a tributary to the Ganges. And we, we walked up into the forest when we were not training and we would go into these little villages and everybody was smiling and really friendly for the most part. And yeah, it is very beautiful up there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's cool that you have support there. Um, traditionally before the Mughals and the British came, uh, India was super, you know, so-called trans-friendly. They didn't have that terminology, but like Shiva, the Lord of yoga has many incarnations where they are neither male nor female, but somewhere in the middle. Mm, yeah so amazing. it was just the islamic and the british rule that changed all that but before then like everything was a lot more fluid mm. Mm -hmm. um i just did this a sequel to that queers morgan video and in it i had to find out facts about gender in other nations and it's quite incredible just how many other places in the world believe in multiple gender identities or existences or trans or celebrate intersex individuals um and uh have uh entire entities and, and beings amongst them that they believe have no gender or sex identity at all it's 
it, it, it is fascinating. It's like, it, it's, a, it's absolutely around the globe, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. Well, even I'm imagining in the Abenaki tribe, because um, up here in the First Nations tribes, uh, there was uh, up to four genders. Um, and then the, the ones who were gender atypical, when they were growing up, like, for example, if it was a cisgendered boy playing with, like, so-called girls' toys, the parents would invariably be like, wow, we might have a shaman here. And then that, that might sort of, they might become the, the so-called shaman of the tribe. And then when the white people came over, those shamans, those, those you know, two-spirit, as they were called, they were believed they could house both masculine and feminine essence in one incarnation. And they were kind of like the connection between the tribe and the spirit world. Uh, the, the white people killed them off first because they knew that if they killed off the spiritual leaders of their tribes, that they would be able to manipulate and control the tribes better and put them into residential schools. It was pretty dark and horrible. Uh But uh, I'm wondering, yeah, maybe if in the Abenaki tribe, there was also multiple genders uh, recognized. Well, there definitely was a belief in like, and entities and energies that were dual, dual gendered, I guess would be the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. But because I was in Vermont and I mean, these are generations down the line, um, people still very much spoke in a binary manner. So mm. even though there was like a cultural thing um, that occurred through the history of the, the tribes, there was still very binary language that was used, I think, as a result of um, just colonization. Like colonialism, yeah. colonization. Yeah, that, that has kind of taken, um, you know, that kind of seeped in because it was, it was very clear, you know, that I was a girl, you know. It wasn't really, um, there wasn't really like any conversation. There was no, there was no like, oh, they'll be what they be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, have you always had sh- like shorter hair? No, I actually, I'll send you some photos. I have some photos that I <laughs> find quite embarrassing, even though <laughs> I don't think we should ever be embarrassed of ourselves. But I used to have hair that was almost down to my butt. Very, wow. very long hair. Um, yeah, and for a long period of my life, hair that was past my shoulders. Um, when I was a kid, I got lice, and my parents shaved my head, and I just oh. barely, barely got photos of that, um, of, of like that time period of my life. Um, and then I had a weird bowl cut after that, you know, and uh, huh. yeah, was, I've gone okay. through many hair periods. But when I had uh, my hair cut really short, it felt really, that was the happiest time period of my life. I really enjoyed it. Cool. I was going to ask you how... how different hairstyles make you feel and what you what you like and cool for me it's just about practicality i really mm-hmm. enjoy having things that are easy to maintain because we have so much in the world to take care of and to handle so i like to keep yeah. my routine very quick you know in the morning it takes me like 15 minutes to get dressed do self-care uh like not self-care but like you know get dressed um lavender oil a little bit of like um and i have like this special oil for my uh for my face that's got like cedar and um in it nice and uh i judge my hair or i put a hat and i just then you're good to go that's awesome yeah um who who are some of your teachers like who would you say like would be like your teachers um i don't know the hard thing is it's like i didn't I didn't have a lot of people that I really looked up to as far as teaching goes. And that's probably why I made so, mistake, so many mistakes in my past because I didn't really have a lot of guidance. And I think that comes from a little bit of ego of being like, I thought that I had it all figured out and I thought I was going to be just fine. So I didn't really look up to a lot of people. And when people are like, who are your heroes? I'm like, 
we shouldn't be lifting people up like that. We're our own heroes, you know? Um, I didn't, I didn't allow other people to like really teach me about like their experiences or how to tap into myself because I just didn't, um, I thought it, like I said, I thought I had it all figured out. Um, I would say that like, time and space and life has been my teacher um, and the various people that weave into my life, whether it's temporary or long-term um, over the past couple of years, my work has really revolved more around listening than speaking. And mm. so every time I hear someone's story, I'm, I feel like they're a teacher for me, you know, and it's cool. Um, yeah. It's the best way I can put that. That's beautiful. Would you say the forest is one of your teachers? Hmm. I was thinking about it in terms of people, but that is a really, really, really great uh, suggestion. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that so the forest, the fire for me, um, fire is just like one of those beautiful things. And when you can construct it, you know, and you look at it and it, it's feeding off from this entity. It's like on it and growing and consuming and existing. I've always had a very deep spiritual connection to fire when things are hard, all I want is fire. This year for my birthday, uh, but turning 30, uh, people were like, what do you want for your birthday? And I just said, I just want fire, you know? I want a nice. fire fit. My yeah. ultimate dream, if I could have a, a little nest, I would, um, I would love a little piece of land, a yurt, and a fire pit. I would be oh, very, yeah. very, very happy on that, you know? That sounds awesome. When, when was your birthday? September 27th. Oh, nice. Are you much into astrology? Yeah. Um, I am. I'm a Libra. Libra. And uh, Virgo rising and Aquarius moon. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, what is some, one thing that you always wished that you'd been asked? Mm. That is a big question. Um, I don't know. I think that like, it depends on the context of the conversation and who's asking it, you know? Um, I think one thing is like, I always, like, I don't know. I just, I love people so intensely. And um, I think I've always wanted, um, I've always wanted the opportunity to just be really complete about myself as a being and where I'm going and what I'm doing, you know? Mm -hmm. um why i do what i do i think the thing is is like especially with the type of oh you cut out one sec you know and the why <laughs> you know hey, um, sorry. you, and, and you cut out after um especially after the type of work i do it cut out mm, yeah i think um yeah yeah i i think what it is, I, I just wish that people um, would just ask me that one hard question, which is like, why do you deserve to do the work that you do? Like, why, um, why do you deserve this platform? I think that's a really hard one because I, I've been gifted this massive platform for, from people who really support what I'm doing. But um, sometimes they, when you have a large platform, people they feel like you need to be a saint or that you need to be that like flawless individual. And I'm not. Um, and people are like, they never ask me like, why do you still talk to these 
you know, individuals, like why is nonviolent communication really important? You think it's an easy question or a clear question, but oftentimes it doesn't come up. Um, and for me, it's important because of, because of the fact that like I, as an individual, haven't always felt worthy of being communicated with. And I really, really love you a lot. And I want you to live in the best world that you possibly can live in. And I'm willing to tuck away my ego in order to serve. Like I'm not here to lead people. I'm here to serve as much as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. And I share a lot of the content that I do because I want people to know that like it's working, that it's possible, um, and that there are many paths. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. I think also Thank like you. no one's ever asked like what type of music I listened to in high school. And the truth is like Evanescence was my jam. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I went through a whole emo phase and, nice. uh, I was just staring into Evanescence, you know, <laughs> with your long hair. just <laughs> Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I convinced uh, I convinced my parent at one point that Evanescence was a Christian singer because I was going through a really Christian phase, um, but they weren't. But I went through the entire song, Wake Me Up, and I was like, see, it's referring to Jesus. You know, it's talking about resurrection. Talking, you know? uh, did, did your parent <laughs> really, buy it? I, I think they were just like, whatever, listen to <laughs> it. If you, you know what I mean? Like my parent was not going to let me listen to Evanescence, but okay. <laughs> I felt so deeply guilty about wanting to consume things that didn't fully align with my Christian values that right. like I would go out of my way to overcompensate justifying myself to everyone. Right. <laughs> Cute. If you were a color, what color do you feel best represents your energy? My energy. Ooh, my favorite color is crimson. I love like a scarlet or crimson color. I love that deep red. It really makes me feel good. But if I were a color energetically, I think I would be either like um, a really, really deep purple or um, a burnt orange of some kind. Cool. Mm. Um, what would be like a top tip for living your dreams to people who are inspired by mm-hmm. you? Yeah. So a lot of times we don't feel like um, we're going to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish because of many things. Number one, we feel like there's no time. Number two, we feel like there's no money. And number three, we feel incredibly alone and or unworthy of being able to do it. Um, first of all, the top thing is stop calling them dreams and call them goals. The minute that you think about it and visualize it, you're already closer to having the ideal life that you want to have or to accomplishing them because a lot of people spend a good portion of their life before they know what they want and you know what you want. So it's a goal now. It's not a dream. Nice. Nice. And the second thing is, is like, don't think that everything happens to happen immediately. I've cut myself short a lot in my life and I really like cut the quality out of a lot of things in my life because I feel like everything needs to happen now and fast and instant, you know, mm-hmm. when in reality, the truth is like, it doesn't, um, it can take times and it, things can happen in little increments. So if you feel like you don't have time, or money, like putting aside like 20 cents a day um, is in, 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 in being like, even if this goal of yours isn't going to happen immediately, um, you know that you're working towards it occurring um, and you know that it's possible. That's an option. Number two, um, I would say spend five days, uh, five to 10 minutes a day. Um, if you don't feel like you have that time, 
I just want to remind you that you sit on a toilet and many of us have phones and play the game five minutes to win it um, for five minutes. Pretend you're on a game show. And um, if you want to go work with penguins in Antarctica, for instance, just look up, start off with looking up every single person that's ever worked for uh, work with penguins in Antarctica. The second time you sit down on the toilet, start looking up their contact information. Third time, their contact information. Fourth time, start constructing an email. Fifth time, construct the email. Sixth time, you're finally done with the email. Seventh time, send it out to these con these people. Eighth time, now you start um, you know looking for more contacts, more information. Do you need training? What do you need? Start applying for it. Get the information. Start connecting with these individuals. Ask them to be your mentors. Ask them to give you advice. Start taking the advice. Start doing the thing. And then within a year, you'll have spent over 3,600 minutes working towards your goal, and you'll have made a significant amount of progress if you do 10 minutes a day, I think it's like 3,600 minutes about, um, nice. you know, you'll have spent a significant amount of time working towards your goal and you will be a lot closer to accomplishing it and likely maybe even at a point in which you can. Um, yeah. That's great. Great advice. Yeah. Just a little bit every day. A little bit every day. Don't get and, overwhelmed. And get an accountability buddy. Have them hold you accountability, accountable to the 10 minutes. Um, you can do it for each other and help each other get what you both really want to um, get. Um, it's really, really, really important. That's awesome. Uh, last question. What are you uh, curious about right now? What am I curious about? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I think what I'm mostly curious about is, um, hmm. You know, I've been uh, I've been watching this show on Netflix about this Ukrainian teacher who becomes president of his country, and it's a fictional TV series. Um, he just does this rant on YouTube, and then he becomes president overnight. You know, wow. And uh, then suddenly, somebody who isn't necessarily qualified to run the country is running it, and uh, the show doesn't do what you think it's going to do. And it's actually quite satisfying and makes you feel really good about like if we just had an everyday person in office, you know? And I looked up the other day and I realized that the actual president of the Ukraine was the actor who played the president in that show. Wow. He later on off the back of that show went on to win an election and become the president of the Ukraine. So it's actually real. Um, it's actually real, but you know, he wasn't an actor but right. because he wrote the show and he uh was in the show and everything people felt he had a really good idea of how government should be run and they trusted him cool and i looked around at all the people who are in power who are like actors and social media uh individuals or uh celebrities of some kind people who have taken those powers and um what i've been really curious about recently is like this um these this like aversion to um hiring or putting in power people who are um who are i guess without sensation without the sensationalistic element of being a, a big pr thing you know why don't we have a teacher who's president why don't we have doctors on red carpets it's i've been really looking up like the psychology of people and when in history they've elected individuals who are community members who have just showed up quietly and consistently every day without um, you know praise and they've risen to a place of power um and i've just been like how can we get that back 
you right. know, how can we get that back? Um, what are we rewarding here? Um, I, uh, I did a purge video this week on purging every, uh, lie or secret that I've had for the most part. I'm sure there were things that were left out, not intentionally because I went off for an hour. So you're bound to miss something. Um, I did it because of the fact that like, you know, these liars and cheaters and, um, manipulators are winning. Thieves are winning, you know, as a person who's contributed in a way to um, with some of those elements throughout my life, I'm like, how are we gonna? Uh, how are we going to get these people out of power? Um, these people who have a life of deception um, through sensationalism and publicity. And I realized we have to be radically honest in order to demand radical honesty. And we de- we deserve as people have people in power who are willing to be accountable and honest and open and clear with who they are and what they, what they're doing and what they want. And, um, I find that communities that are going through periods of radical honesty Mm -hmm. are oftentimes the ones that do have those, um, amazing stories of individuals who have risen into leadership positions who, um, have been quietly serving behind the lines and those leaders have been quite effective. Nice. Thank you. No. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm fresh out of questions. That I that was really um a life-giving conversation. Thank you for your time, Rain. Thank you for sharing space with me and yeah. for being so um patient and persistent and just beautiful. And thank you for creating the space for people to talk. I think this podcast is really important and I think that what you're doing is really important. It's saving lives and preventing people from feeling alone. And um, I think that's a really gorgeous way to live. You should be very proud. Thanks, Rain. I I love you. (laughs) I love you with all that I am. Thank you. Same here. Um, Keep keep being amazing. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to connecting with you in person at some point in the future and uh, sharing some Kundalini yoga with you. Same. I can't wait for our next adventure and I can't wait to jump into a lake with you. It's going to be- Yes, (laughs) yes, totally. (laughs) Awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to um, mention or talk about uh, to the audience or, and where people can find you online? Yeah, um, quick couple of plugs. Uh, I'm I'm at Rain Dove Model um, on all of my platforms. Um, We have the show Queers Without Fears coming out. Uh, you can find that online, Queers Without Fears, pretty easy. Awesome. Um, and um, I have a documentary that I'm working on that hopefully will be ready in February or March called Joy Revolution, which is about finding light in the darkest parts of the planet um, and going to uh, places where people are choosing to live in environments in which we've said that no one should live there. Wow. Well, I look forward to seeing that. I can't wait to share. I think it's very much in alignment with what you're doing. <laughs> Perfect. So would you say for people to stay up to date on your endeavors, uh, would Instagram be the best place? Instagram is the best place. Facebook also works. Um, okay. I just barely started getting Facebook going again. I keep nice. on having a love-hate relationship with Facebook. You know? Yeah, I keep getting um, kicked off. <laughs> I do. I get Why? kicked off for sharing like... Um, naked men's yoga stuff 
uh, like there's no genitals showing, but like two guys hugging, then they, they, they say, oh, you've been banned for a month. You can't use messenger post or anything. And then I just out of curiosity, I posted imagery of, I took videos of guys like destroying each other in MMA and like blood everywhere and getting concussions. And I posted that and that was totally fine. But the moment mm. I posted an image of two men hugging naked with no genital showing, that caused me to get banned for a month. So I see that Facebook and Instagram have an agenda. Uh, and I also have an agenda, which is to promote, you know, love, loving imagery between people of the so-called same gender. And, and so it's just an interesting, um, it's, it's a little bit mm. disappointing, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's hard because you have the kid thing. So there's the element of pornography that people are really sensitive to and I understand it and um, mm -hmm. what are the lines and what are not the lines um, because mm -hmm. it's a global community there are so many different voices that are factoring into the decision on what is appropriate and what isn't and mm -hmm. it is interesting that we choose to demonize love but we choose to elevate violence um, mm -hmm. you know um, if you had to choose a kid to not do one of those two things be violent or be loving um, you know obviously but it is, it is, it's complicated conversation because like I said, it's a global community. So you have like extremely conservative voices that, um, and, and very, and very concerned parents. And it's like, I just feel like we have so much access to information and ways to filter technology that we don't, that or we can be a lot more practical and careful about um, content distribution. You know, there's totally. just a, there's a, I know that there's a better way. I just, I wish it wasn't canceling. I wish it was construction. Yeah. Yeah. True that. Cool. Yeah. And so on Facebook and social media, your, your uh, handle is rain dove model. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. I wish you, I wish you all the best. I love you and I will see you soon. I'm sure. Sounds amazing. Yes. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Yes. You as well. Ciao for now, love. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Mm -hmm. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Urban Yogi podcast. And thanks again to Rain Dove for being such an awesome guest. I really appreciate how Rain Dove deals with haterism and how their activism is all about love and compassion. Um, it's just, it's been really freeing for me to approach uh, activism in that way instead of always being angry or militant. Uh, you know, and as we were discussing, there's a time and a place for that. But just on my nervous system, on my blood pressure, it just feels so much better to come from a place of compassion. Thank you, Rain Dove. I love you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to check out more about Rain Dove, follow them on Instagram, Rain Dove Model, and check out their new series on YouTube. And you can get all that information on their Instagram account. Talk to you guys soon. Love you. Mwah.